Um, I do want to have you pray with me for our dear friends. Our worship team is actually, uh, they said they were heading to Prescott. They're heading there to lead worship for a youth camp of like 300, 350 kids uh, all week long. And so would you pray for their voice and the fingers and just everything to work? Um, and so, and Brian's going with them, Phil's going with them, and the guys you saw on stage. So just pray for them this week. That'll be really, really awesome. And we're glad to be able to, to be a part of that. You can clap for that. That's cool that we get to do that. So. Um, we've been in this series called At The Movies, just kind of having some fun uh, this July, looking at different themes that we're pulling out of movies and seeing how that relates to scripture, how the scriptures speak into that and call that to be more and more of our life and our living and how we're to live life with God. And so tonight, uh, this movie is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. And I don't know if, how many of you have seen that? How many of you have no idea what movie that is? Perfect. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting movie. It's about a guy, Walter Mitty, um, and uh, he's got this just non-adventurous life, and he kind of goes on this journey of, of what does it mean to step out and to live with courage and to live adventure, and that's kind of one of the themes I want us to camp into tonight. We've been giving away prizes just because it's fun to give away prizes, and churches don't do that usually. So, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, a guy of non-adventure to adventure, and he kind of struggles with daydreaming a little bit at times, and it's just, uh, you're gonna, well, it's just, you'll enjoy it. <coughs> Walter Mitty, it's an, an amazing, um, I think it's a great movie in the sense of, of what it uh, portrays of his adventures and his changes and, and who he is and uh, the transformation he goes through from being this kind of ho-hum to this adventurous person. And I want us to kind of keep that in mind that the cinematography in that movie, if you've seen it, is just breathtaking. It's amazing because he ends up going all over the world trying to find this photographer that works for Time Magazine and he's kind of the photo guy in Time and they're closing out and they're running their last issue and, and it's a fun, um, fun adventure that you see. Now, in that, this idea, here's the questions I want us to wrestle with a little bit tonight. And if you want to follow along, I'm gonna be in Matthew chapter 14, or you can go to YouVersion. I actually have all the sermon notes there, scripture passages we'll look at. Um, and you can get to that by, by the weekly. There's a link in there that you can just click that and go right there. So, uh, in Matthew 14, there's this story, this encounter that Jesus has with his disciples. And it, it, it turns out to be this kind of wacky, um, miraculous, interesting story that you read through and, and sometimes maybe you read it and you go, did that really happen? I mean, I don't know. And you're kind of wondering because it seems incredible, like almost too incredible, almost like the movies kind of thing. And you're kind of like, well, I guess, I mean, Jesus hasn't ever lied and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it and that it is. And it's all built around this adventure that unfolds on the Sea of Galilee. And in Matthew 14, I think some of the questions we begin to wrestle with is what does it look like? to live with a courageous faith? What does it look like to, to begin to live life on an adventure with God? What does that begin to look like in our day and age? And you know, we're not, we don't live in the first century, we don't live, we're, Jesus isn't walking right around us in, in the sense of we could touch him and see him and, and be inspired that way. So what does it mean to live this active, adventurous, courageous faith journey out loud, in the flesh? How do you begin to do that? And to get at that, I want us to kind of look back at the story, this encounter that Jesus has with his disciples because it's, it's pretty amazing. Now the Sea of Galilee, um, I got to kind of sail on the sea in January, it was there in Israel. It's 13 miles long, 
about eight miles across. So it's called the sea, but it's kind of the biggest body of water there in Israel. It's actually where they still get about 50% of their drinking water, even today. Uh, the Sea of Galilee is surrounded by these mountain ranges. Um, you can understand when you read through the New Testament, it talks about these squalls, these storms that come up out of nowhere. Uh, I can tell you that's true. Um, you, you, can, you can see how uh, storm systems would come over those mountains and down into that valley, and things could get crazy real fast. Um, if many of you have spent time on the water, and you can see that even around here, we've got mountain ranges around water, not in Tucson, <laughs> we, uh, sad, okay. But uh, we don't have that here, but we have that in other places you can go to, and you can kind of understand that. And so the Sea of Galilee is a very interesting body of water. And when you're there, you begin to realize we sailed out to the middle of it, turned off the boat motor, and just sat there, and our guide kind of walked us through every story of every encounter that happened in that body of water are on its shores. And you forget how many stories, how much of Jesus' ministry actually kind of happened right there. You got the feeding of the 5,000. That's really the story we're kind of coming on the tail end of in what we're looking at tonight. So you have right there on the shore kind of this, we kind of went to this church that was there uh, that was built up to kind of remember that miraculous feeding and just there was 5,000 men, we're told. We don't know how many women or children. They're just massive with just these, this small Lunchable that this boy brought to Jesus and he did this miracle with it. The disciples hand this out. They even have leftovers and they had just finished that. Now imagine crowds and crowds of people to a guy that can give you lunch whenever you want it. That's pretty sweet. Like if someone could give me Chipotle every time I wanted it, like I'm gonna hang around that dude. Um, I'm gonna be with him. And so there's this crowd that's beginning to kinda get a commotion. And here's what Jesus does at the end of Matthew 13 leading into Matthew 14 is he sends his disciples onto a boat to go out to the Sea of Galilee to go across to the other side. He says, I'm gonna dismiss the crowd. He goes up to the mountaintop and he prays. And then the story begins to unfold. So let's look at it. Matthew chapter 14. We'll just kind of read through it a little bit here. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get in the boat. Immediately is a word that you're gonna see a lot in this passage. Immediately, this is immediately following the feeding of the 5,000, this incredible miracle that's happening. There's probably a buzz going throughout the crowd of people saying, this guy matters. Let's make him king. Maybe some things are starting to stir politically, starting to stir in, in a lot of different ways that maybe Jesus is saying, it's not that time yet. And so he makes his disciples, his followers, get in a boat and go. He dismisses the crowd. He goes up to a mountainside. After he dismissed them, verse, uh, verse 24 or so, uh, after he dismissed them, he goes up to the mountainside. Later that night, uh, he was there alone, and the boat was already considerable distance from the land, buffered by the waves because the wind was against it. So we have a little bit of wind uh, resistance coming against this. They don't have a motor boat. This isn't like, you know, pull out the, the big giant boat on the back of the thing and make it go fast. They're rowing, or they got the sail, or they're going, okay? But it's, it's kind of buffered here. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the water. How many of you have ever tried to walk on water? Anyone ever tried to walk across their pool cover? That's about as close as I've ever come to walking on the water, and uh, I don't recommend that. Uh, that was not a good decision. And so luckily I had friends around me, and it, it was dumb. We don't do that again. Um, so <clears throat> Jesus goes out walking on the water. The disciples saw him walking on the water, and they were terrified. 
It's a ghost, they yelled. Well, you have to understand in the ancient world, bodies of water were kind of seen as a, a pass, passing ground from the, the Hades to current life. And so this, was a, this would be like you would see a ghost. That's kind of what their belief system was. It's kind of the rumor, so to speak, of what was going on. And so they have an understanding of this. They're terrified. These are guys who have been around Jesus. They're terrified. They don't even know if it's him or not. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately, there's that word again, said to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter, being the bold one, says, hey, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out on the water with you. Probably thinking, it's not him. Who walks on water? Jesus says, come on out. Now he's got a decision to make. Okay, um, there's 12 of us in this boat. I was the only one to open my big fat mouth. Why did I do that? <sighs> Deep breath, and over he goes. He goes on. Then Peter um, got down out of the boat, walked on water, came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, there's that word again, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why, why did you doubt? Jesus comes out doing something that in your mind you'd go, no way, no way. My son last week had a friend. Um, you know how Sports Center occasionally does the, like, the fan? Uh, you get 15 seconds on your Instagram to kind of send in something. And his buddy is like, hey, I'm gonna send in this video, right? And they're like, no way, dude. You're not gonna get on Sports Center. It's ridiculous. You're, I don't know why you're even doing that. It's dumb. They're never gonna pick you out of the millions of people that they get. And that night, we're watching Sports Center. And there's Mr. Britton, right there. He starts it off, and all of a sudden, my son's phone gets lit up, and it, people are texting. They're all over, like, I can't believe he got on Sports Center. Are you kidding? No way. You ever had a no way moment in life? Maybe you won something. Maybe something kind of came your way. Maybe something didn't happen, and you were protected from it. In your mind, you're like, no way that happened. This has got to be one of those moments. There's no way that Jesus is walking on water. I, we've never seen him do that, and all of a sudden, he's doing that. How do we think he's gonna catch up to his disciples that he's already, is he gonna like, make a helicopter happen? And like a helicopter fly him to the ocean? No, he's just gonna walk across. And so he's walking across, and he's got his presence there, and, and he's moving, and all his disciples are, are, are kind of racked with fear. That's what's dominating their existence in this moment. They're afraid. And even in that fear, what you see in the life of Peter is something that I think Jesus wants to see more and more in the life of his followers. Even when we're afraid, maybe even when we're cautious, maybe when we're maybe even a little bit reluctant, there's still a part of our heart that says, Jesus, if that's really you, could I come out with you? And what I love about Jesus' answer is it's not like a parent answer. As a parent, what would I do? <laughs> it's too dangerous out here. You don't have a life vest. I obviously don't have a life vest. I just happen to be walking on water. Um, I don't have an extra one for you, and so no, we're not gonna do it. What would your mom say? You know, just there's no way mom would approve of this. And so as a, Jesus doesn't respond as a parent. 
Jesus responds to someone, even with an inkling of faith, wanting to trust more. And he responds instantly, immediately. You come out here. You come out here. And Peter, what's fascinating about this passage is you have one water walker and 11 boat potatoes. And what we have to understand is that in the, in the life of falling after God, God is always craving and wanting and desiring more water walkers than boat potatoes. And it's a challenge, and it's not easy. It's a challenge when things are difficult. It's a challenge when the scenery and the circumstances and the things that are unfolding in your life seem very overwhelming, seem very scary. And what we want is the safety of what we know. I know this. I may be fearful here. I may still be cautious here, but at least I know this. I know it. And I think what we see in the life of Peter is something that God wants to see more and more in the life of his followers, to say, I'm willing to take a step out here. See, living with a courageous faith isn't about reckless leaps of faith on my own. It wasn't Peter just going, hey, I think that's Jesus, I'm going. He didn't take this reckless leap of faith. He actually saw where Jesus was, and he asked and said, can I be out there with you? You tell me to come out there. He wasn't asking permission, it was Jesus, you command me to come out here. I wanna be where you are. And so often in our journey, we want Jesus to be where we are. And I wonder if maybe part of the point of this story is to continue to challenge us, to push us, to say, we need to be people of faith who are living a life with God, who says, God, I wanna be where you are, and I don't necessarily need you to come where I am, because I know this, but you're looking for people who will go out to where you are and join you there, and you call us out there. Does that mean we're to be reckless? No, Peter wasn't reckless. But he knew that he wanted to be intentional and take some intentional steps of being with Jesus. Peter was a different guy when he was with Jesus. You study his life, and you begin to see when he was not with Jesus, there was a lot more failure, a lot more brokenness, a lot more deviation away. But when he was with Jesus, he did incredible things. And I think he began to crave that more and more. And then he gets to the end of Jesus' last final week and he makes some dumb decisions that I probably would have too. But when you're with Jesus, you're just different. It changes you, it challenges you. Uh, you begin to live with a different thing. I think to live with an adventurous faith requires a prerequisite. And maybe the challenge for us is this. We must treasure growth more than comfort. And I think in our day and age, friends, I'm speaking to myself, I'm looking in a mirror here. I think it's so easy for us as Christians and so easy for us as followers of Jesus to crave comfort more than growth. And you will never experience these incredible water walking moments with Jesus if all you want to do is be a boat potato. See, there was risk in this story. There was failure in this story. Peter begins to sink, right? and he calls out and immediately Jesus rescues him. How do you think they got back to the boat? Was it a Star Trek moment? They just teleported there? No, they walked on water back to the boat together, hand in hand, arm in arm, we're gonna get there. 
And he had more of an encounter with Jesus out on the water than any of the 11 had who were boat potatoes in the boat. And the challenge for us, I think, becomes this idea of this tension. If I want to live and stay here, I want it to be known, I want it to be comfortable, I want it to be manageable, I want it to be this. I want to be able to get my arms around it. And I think sometimes Jesus is saying, I'm over here, and I'd love for you to be over here. And I'm calling you over here, but you've got to take a step. And there's this challenge that, has, that we've got to crave growth more than comfort. We've got to take challenges. Some of us, I think, we say, well, we can settle. We can say challenges, that's, you know, that's, for, uh, that's for my CrossFit workouts. But maybe not for my faith journey. And I guess I would challenge you, why not? If we challenge ourselves in CrossFit, we challenge ourselves in saving things, we challenge ourselves in a whole bunch of different arenas in life, why don't we have challenges in our faith journey as well? That God's grace can empower us and meet us there. The story is about realizing that there's a danger out on the water. There is. There's a danger in being a water walker. And some of the things you might uh, get tripped up by some of the worries and the stresses that are out there. But listen, there's just as much danger of being a boat potato as well and settling and, and getting to a place where your faith becomes stale and, or stalled out and you never really challenge yourself to do anything. As a church, we want to continually invite people into their next step of faith, which means that you're stepping out of comfort zones, which means that you're taking the courage to follow Jesus where he is and not just expecting him to come where you are, that he's calling you forward into things. And I don't know what exactly that might be for you, but here's what I do know. Jesus always had a simple challenge and an invitation to people, and it was two words, follow me. It was never stay put. It was always follow me. And where I go, I'm gonna challenge you and I'm gonna lead you. But as you go and as we go together, you'll be changed in the process. And so I'm not sure what that looks like for you. What does adventure look like for you? Potentially, is it, it may not be heading off to Ecuador or China as a missionary. I'm not saying that you're heading off to Africa. Good for you. Um, maybe you are, maybe that's where God's calling you, but probably not. You know, what does it look like to begin to reach out to a coworker or to a friend, to a neighbor, to a schoolmate who needs to know that God is for them? He's not against them. What does it look like to begin to weave that into your conversations, to take a risk and to do a bit, little bit of water walking out in, in trepidation and knowing, okay, Jesus, you're out here and I gotta go with you because I'm not sure what to do with this. What does it look like to begin to step out of your comfort zone and to begin to, to be more of uh, uh, exercising a servant's heart in serving around your workplace or serving on a serve team around here or begin to, to say, I'm gonna exercise the skills and talents God's given me and I'm gonna put those to use what does it mean to step out in faith and say, God, I'm gonna honor you with the resources you've given me. And I'm not gonna just hide those or keep those or hoard those. I'm gonna actually bless you with it. I'm gonna work and figure out how I can leverage what you've blessed me with to move your kingdom forward through your church and through beyond that. What does it look like to begin to trust God with that? What does it look like to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to say, you need to free up time in your calendar. You're too busy. I keep bringing you assignments and you miss them because you're always on to number next. 
and you keep missing the people I'm bringing across your path to serve and invest in them, and I want you, I'm calling you out to here that you might recognize that. What does it mean to be more intentional and purposeful and to lead those in your family, those that you have connection with, to conversations of faith, even when they're not maybe ready to go there yet, what does it mean to pray that they would be ready? What does it mean to be more purposeful with that? That I think some of those adventures lies there, that we begin to say, hey, we want to be a people that live with a courageous faith and adventures with God, that we begin to take those next steps. Uh, Pascal has this quote, I, I love it. He says, Lord, help me to do great things as though they were little, since I do them in your power. And help me to do little things as though they were great since I do them in your name. That I serve the people around me. I look back at this conversation and <clears throat> as the disciples are fearful in the boat, Jesus says some things. In Greek, we get a better understanding of it than we do in English. In English, it says, uh, take heart, um, it is I. Don't be afraid. In Greek, it's literally this idea of courage, I am, don't be afraid. It's not just a simple hello or ahoy there. Um, it's, it's way more than that. Jesus is pronouncing his divinity in this moment. He's using the ancient word for Jehovah, for God, I am. I am who I am. And that's what he's announcing. Courage, I am, don't be afraid. He's not just saying, hey, hey guys, it's gonna be okay. Hey guys, over here, I see you. No, that's not what he's saying. He's announcing courage and divine courage in that moment. What would it look like for you and I to wake up every day and to realize that we have a sovereign God who is announcing courage? I am, you don't need to be afraid. I'm with you. I travel with you. In fact, I'm gonna travel a little bit apart from you sometimes and I'm actually gonna call you over to be a part of what I'm doing and I would love for you to be a water walker and not just a boat potato. I'm gonna call you over, but it's your choice. I'm not gonna make you get out of the boat. Jesus doesn't go over the boat and rock it and like throw them all in the water. Hey, we're gonna learn this now, okay? Training wheels are off. That's not what Jesus does, does he? It's a simple invitation. Will you choose? Will you choose to be a person who follows after? Jesus walks with Peter back to the boat. I love how the story ends. Um, when they climb back into the boat, immediately the wind died down. So you have the storm, this wind that's buffering this boat. Instantly, as Jesus steps foot into the boat, it's done. The water becomes calm again. And then it says here that those who are in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. What they learned in that moment is that God is big. I think why we worship, why we're called to be people who worship, who corporately gather weekly, and to say, hey, we're gonna make this a part of what we do. You could do that in your car driving around. Um, you could do it with your headphones, and, and maybe you should. But corporately together, here's what we're doing when we worship. We're magnifying God. We're making him bigger.
We're helping our vision lift off the simple challenges and even the difficult challenges that are before us onto our much, much, much bigger God. When he steps into this boat and the wind dies down and they realize this guy is a water walker and the winds obey him. And oh yeah, he just fed 5,000 plus people with like two loaves of bread and a Lunchable. Their eyes are beginning to open up to realize he's more than just a miracle worker. He's more than just a good teacher guy. He's more than just a good humanitarian. He really is who he's been saying he is. And they are caught in awe and wonder. And they begin to worship. See, I believe that we will live and the consequences of our life is based on the size of our God. And if we have shrunken God down to be nothing and to be morally uh, just something manageable for us to hold and we keep him in a box or we put him in our purse and we carry him around and when we need him we pull him out like a genie, then we have shrunken God to be something that he is not. In fact, we've, we've demeaned him. When we get so overwhelmed by our issues, and you can be overwhelmed. I'm not saying you should never be overwhelmed. You should be always smiley and happy and pfft, okay? When you get to that spot, worship. Because that is what begins to pick your eyes off the big problems you have and onto your much, much, much bigger God who has you. And he can minister to you in those moments. I love what John Ortberg says, when human beings shrink God, they often pray without faith, they work without passion, they serve without joy, and they suffer without hope. And we don't wanna be those kind of people. We wanna be a people who lives an adventurous life with God. We wanna be a people who lives and sees God bigger and bigger and bigger, and we get to enjoy the journey. When you are a parent, or an aunt and uncle, and your, your kid, your niece, your nephew, your child was about two or three, what would you always say to them? Hey, how big are you? And what would they always respond? I'm so big, right? And they put their hands up over their head, and like we'd celebrate that, because we want them to understand that they are bigger than some of the challenges that are in front of them. We want them to become big boys and big girls. They can handle some things. Like, don't try that with your spouse, okay? How big are these cheese made me? Like, You're so big! You no, know, don't. It, there's a time shelf limit to that. Um, but like with kids, it's awesome. And in essence, that's what these guys did. As Jesus stepped into that boat, they realized the scales in their eyes, they begin to roll back and realize, you are so big. You're just unbelievable. Who walks on water? Who has the wind die down in an instant? Who does that? You do, God. You're the son of God. And my problems, I get my focus on those so much, but when I worship you, I magnify you. And I begin to lift my vision off these challenges in front of me and onto my much, much, much bigger God. I begin to see that I'm here to live adventures with you. And you give me invitations to those. You don't command, you don't rock the boat, you don't tip the boat, but you, you give commands and you give an invitation to come out to you. Here's the bottom line of what I wrote. Courageous faith helps us experience the closeness and the bigness of God, period. You can have a boat potato faith. You can have that. You'll get to heaven, it'll be all right. But my hunch is you will not experience the closeness and the bigness of God 
if all you do is ride in the boat and you never take him up on the invitations that he says, you come out here. You come out here where I am. I don't know what that may look like for you, but here's what I do know. You have a challenge in front of you and you have an invitation in front of you. Wherever you are in life, whether you're a young adult kind of just getting out of college and getting your feet set in your first job and going there, whether you've been walking with Jesus for 30 years and you've been in this pursuit and you kind of feel like you've done there, you know, been there, done that, and you've done and served, I'm telling you, in every season of life, God has a next step and a next adventure for you. And it will be a constant invitation. Does that mean it's gonna be every day? Probably not. Does that mean it's gonna be seasonal? There's gonna be seasons where there's a challenge and an invitation to you? Yeah, does that mean it's gonna be weekly? Maybe. I don't know what it may look like, but I do know it will be in front of you. And the invitation in the moment you have when you're faced with it is to say, God, I'm fearful, I'm a little unsure, but I'm gonna step out and go where you are. And I'm just gonna trust you in this conversation with this coworker. I'm just gonna trust you as I commit to, to honoring you with my resources. I'm gonna trust you as I seek to lead my family. I'm gonna trust you as I seek to invest in the people and serve people around me. I want people to know that you are a God who is for them by the way I serve them. And so I'm gonna start figuring out ways to do that. And so whatever that next step might be for you, I do know this, a courageous faith helps us experience the closeness and the bigness of God. So the question really becomes, where are you at in life? Are you in the boat? Have you been in the boat a long time? Are you tired of sitting in the boat? Have you been walking on water? Have you begun to drown <laughs> in walking on water? Have you faced a little bit of failure in that? Has, have you sensed God rescuing you in the midst of that? So the invitation for us simply is to say, figure out with you and God, what are those next steps for you? What's, where's he calling you to take a step of faith and to say, I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna meet you here. I may not understand everything, but I'm gonna trust and step out. I wanna be a water walker. I don't wanna settle for being a boat potato. And so, as we move toward a time of communion, we have communion tables, uh, a couple here in the middle and a couple down front, uh, gluten-free down here if you need that. And uh, we're gonna ask our worship team to come back up. We're gonna sing a song that uh, really speaks to this. Uh, Oceans, that kind of says, God, I wanna be a person who walks with you where you are, not just expecting you to be where I am. I'm gonna step out, I'm gonna challenge. And so my invitation to you real simply is just in these next few moments as we take communion together, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you're welcome to do that. We'll kind of create some space for you to do that, and then we're gonna sing a closing song together. And make these next few moments something of a prayer between you and God. Say, hey, I wanna, I wanna be a little bit more like Peter. I may not know everything, I may not have it all settled, I may have still some trepidation in me, but Jesus, I wanna walk where you are a little bit more this week. Would you show me one step that I can take this week to kind of be that water walker and to walk with you and to begin to experience your closeness and your bigness in a way that begins to allow me to worship in even deeper ways. And so Father, I pray that your spirit would just move in our hearts as we uh, 
take communion as we remember Jesus' life and death and resurrection. That's our hope. That's where our grace comes from. That's where our assurance and the guarantee of your presence with us. I pray that you would, uh, in the stillness of these moments, as we take that cup, as we take that bread, we remember that uh, you stepped out in order that we might have an opportunity to step into a relationship with you. Would you continue to show us as people? Would you show us as a community, as a church? Would you show your churches here in Tucson how we can be uh, a force of good and a force of hope and a force of grace in a place that so desperately needs it? Would you help us to step out and to meet you and to have some miraculous experiences with you that we can't point to anything but you and we're overwhelmed by the magnitude, the majesty of who you are. So would you meet us in these moments, Holy Spirit? Stir us each individually, continue to stir us as a church. That We wanna be a people that walk with you, that live a, a courageous life with you. We pray that in your son's name.